0: Section thirty-four of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section thirty-four, Part the second, Section four. CHAPTER Five, THE FIGHT WITH THE DRAGON When Hardred's death was noised abroad, several of the neighboring peoples made raids upon Gothland, but Beowulf kept so strict a watch on the borders that the enemy was beaten back at all points. Scarcely was the country freed from the attacks of these sea-wolves when Edgils, king of Swithjord, came at the head of a large army to avenge his brother's death. The Goths and Swedes met, and fought a murderous battle, in which many men were slain, and among them King Edgils. After the death of their king, the Swedes retired to their ships, and sailed back to their own land. The consequence of this victory was a lasting peace. No Vikings dared attack the well-defended shores of Gothland, and but few quarrels arose among the nobles to disturb the internal peace of the realm. Beowulf ruled the land with great justice and wisdom, No one entreating his help was ever sent empty away, and no act of tyranny remained unpunished. Forty years or more passed after this fashion. The hero had grown an old man, and hoped that the national peace and happiness would last as long as he lived. But he was to be rudely awakened from this dream. An enemy attacked Gothland against whom all weapons and armies were useless. This was how it happened. A dishonest slave— who feared discovery and punishment at his master's hands, fled from home, and took refuge in a wild, rocky place. When he got there, he looked about for some cave in which he might take up his abode. Coming to one, he entered, but found it already tenanted by an immense dragon, which lay stretched on the ground asleep. Behind it, at the back of the cave, were treasures of all sorts. The man looked greedily at the shining mass of jewels and gold, and thought in his heart, If I had but a few of these treasures, I could buy my freedom, and need no longer fear my master. This idea made him bold. He slipped softly past the monster and stole a golden pot, the knob on whose lid was formed of a shining carbuncle. He escaped safely, and going back to his master, bought his freedom. Neither of the men had the slightest notion of the harm this deed would bring down upon the land. The dragon, which had watched over its hoard for hundreds of years, and knew each costly thing by heart, saw at once that it had been robbed. At nightfall it crept out of its hole to look for traces of the thief. Finding none, it lifted up its voice and howled so loud that the earth shook. At the same time flames issued from its mouth and burnt up granges and homesteads far and wide. The men who sought to put out the fire, fell victims to its fury, or else were dragged into the monster's cave, where they perished miserably. This happened night after night. The devastation had no end. Many brave warriors went out against the dragon and tried to kill it, but none of them could withstand the fiery blasts with which the creature defended itself. The old king heard the story of these events with infinite sorrow. He determined himself to attack the monster, and when his friends remonstrated with him on his rashness, he replied that it was his duty to defend his people from all their enemies, and that the gods would help him. He further announced that he would have fought the dragon unarmed, as he had done the monster Grendel, the son of the Sea Witch, but that he feared he could not make his way through the flames without such protection." "'He therefore had a shield made, three times as thick as usual, and so large that it covered him completely. This done, he chose eleven of his bravest warriors to be his comrades in this adventure, among them Vikstan, the man who avenged King Hardred's death. Beowulf and his companions set out on their journey, and in due course arrived at the dragon's cave, out of which there flowed a brook whose waters were made boiling hot by the monster's fiery breath.' The king bade his friends wait a little way off, until they saw whether he needed their help, and then, advancing to the mouth of the cave, he called the dragon to come forth. The great beast came out at his call, and a terrible struggle ensued. Both combatants were hidden from view in a dense cloud of smoke and fire. The rocks trembled and shook at the bellowing of the monster, which at the same time slashed out with its tail, whose blows felt like a sledgehammer both in sound and regularity. For a moment, the smoke and flames were blown aside by a puff of wind, and Beowulf's comrades saw that the dragon had just seized their king in its great jaws. They could not bear the sight— and ten of them slipped aside and strove to hide behind rocks and trees. But the eleventh, brave Vikstan, hastened to help his master. His shield was burnt up in a twinkling, and he was obliged to seek shelter behind the king. Both heroes seemed lost. The dragon tore down Beowulf's iron shield and caught him a second time in its great jaws, crushing him between its teeth with such force that the iron rings of his coat of mail cracked like so much crockery, though they had been forged by Veland himself. Then Vikstan seized his opportunity when the beast's head was raised, the better to champ his prey, and plunged his sword into the fleshy part of its throat under the lower jaw. Upon this the dragon dropped the king and encircled both its adversaries with its tail. But Beowulf at the same time made a lunge at its open mouth, driving his weapon so deep that the point came out at the dragon's throat. After that they soon dispatched the monster and then threw themselves on a ledge of rock, panting and exhausted. When they had recovered a little, the heroes loosened their armor and Wigstan saw that blood was oozing slowly from under the king's gorget. He wanted to bind up the slight wound, but Beowulf forbade him, saying that it would be useless, as the hurt had been given by the dragon's tooth, and the poison was already in his veins. I must die, he added, but I go to my forefathers without sadness, though I am the last of my race, for my wife has given me no son and heir. I can look back on my past life with pleasure, for I have wronged no man, but have shown justice to all. He then asked Vikstan to fetch him a drink of water, and afterwards to bring him the treasure out of the dragon's cave, that he might see with his own eyes the last gift he should ever make to his people. His commands were obeyed, and a few minutes later he had passed away quietly and peacefully. Vikstan gazed at him in silent grief. Beowulf had been his dearest friend, and he felt that, with his death, his last tie to life was loosed. Meanwhile, the ten warriors had come out of their hiding places, when they had found that all danger was over. On seeing what had chanced, they raised their voices in mourning, but Vikstan bade them hold their peace, or if they must weep, at least to weep for their own cowardice, and not for the hero who had died at his post. He then advised them to make the best of their way to other lands, as he could not answer for their lives when the Goths became aware of the way in which they had deserted their king in his hour of need. With bowed heads and shame-stricken faces the men turned away. They departed out of Gothland and sought to hide their heads in countries where their names were unknown." The body of Beowulf was borne to his funeral pile, on the height called Hronsnes, and there burnt amid the tears and sorrow of a nation. When the funeral rites had all been performed, the great treasure was taken back to the dragon's cave, for the Goths would have none of the gold their beloved king had won for them in his death. So it still lies hidden in the heart of the earth, as in the olden time, when the dragon guarded it from mortal ken." If it is useless to men, it is at all events not hurtful. End of section 34